I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Uh, before we get going, we're going to say we are recording this episode before the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers here. Um, speaking of Star Wars, Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation, that trailer did uh, drop recently. Uh, I've been very much enjoying the Lego Star Wars specials on Disney+. Plus. Um, I don't think you've seen any of them. We were talking before we, we started recording. You haven't really seen any of them. No, uh, it's just been a thing that I have not gotten around to. I should. They yeah, look I cute. Mean, yeah, and uh, the reason I really wanted to talk about those this one is Lego Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, we've yeah, mentioned this on, Lego we've Weird met- Al. We've mentioned this on the show. That's how me and Kiki met. We were both big fans of Weird Al Yankovic, and we were in a chat room about that way back in the day, and that's how we became friends. And, of course, Weird Al did write a few Star Wars songs. And now he's in a Star Wars thing. Uh, yeah, this looks to be very similar to what they did with um, Terrifying Tales last year in that we're going to have a overall central story. This one centering around our, our sequel characters going on a summer vacation together and them interacting with other characters and getting similar stories from other eras of the Star Wars universe. We're seeing in this in the trailer that I kind of like it. We see Finn and Obi-Wan Kenobi's ghost. It took me a while to realize that was supposed to be Finn because he's dressed in a Hawaiian shirt or whatever. And Lego characters are entirely, you know, they're, it's like Funko Pops. It's the exact same shape. So the only way you can tell is hair and clothing, what they're supposed to be. With Finn, they have him with different hair and clothing. And of course, it's a different voice actor. In the trailer, it's really difficult to tell who it's supposed to be. So it took me about half the trailer to realize who that was supposed to be. Which is weird because John Boyega has voiced Finn in one of these Lego Star Wars specials before. Yeah, but not in this one. So there there was no, you know, it wasn't, the voice didn't give it away. And then, of course, he's not dressed in the typical Finn outfit. So it was like, wait, what? what is going on here? And it took me a second because for a second, I thought it was supposed to be the younger version of Lando because of the way he was acting, because he was acting very carefree Lando-esque. And that makes sense. Like Lando is taking us on a 
on a summer vacation. That's we a very see, Lando thing to do. We do see Lando in hologram form, voiced by Billy D. Williams. Yeah, and then they had older Billy D. Lando show up, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's the version of Lando that's in the. So I was like, and then it hit me like, oh, that's supposed to be Finn. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, okay. unfortunately, this is Star Wars. We only have three black. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, I hate that it came down to like, let me run through the very small Rolodex of black characters in Star Wars. Oh, at least yeah. they added one with Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, yeah. So now there's like four black characters in in Star Wars. There's, um. And one of them's a woman now. Um, the thing, the thing is though, is that it it looks very adorable, and we do get the uh, amazing line of of Leia telling Han, "Please try not to lose a hand." That's a thing in my family. That's Ben. Oh, is is she telling that to? That is ben? a young Kylo Ren. Because he's dressed exactly like Han Solo, but the hair is Ben Solo's hair. So this like I said, like it's a Lego sculpt, so it's really difficult to tell. And he's wearing Han Solo's clothing and, you know, piloting the Millennium Falcon at one point. So I thought it was Poe. And then everybody's, wait, we, we see Poe with the beard earlier. And he's with, oh, that's, that's, that's supposed to be Leia. Oh, that's Ben. This is taking place after Return of the Jedi. In that 30-year gap between original trilogy and... and, and yeah, because we, we see the Emperor, and we see Vader. Vader on sand. There's got to be a sand joke in this special, or I'm going yeah. to hit something. <laughs> of course, it gets everywhere. Well, and it mucks up your electronics at that point. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's It looks very adorable. I don't think the it's a snack line hit for me as hard as it was supposed to. I think because it doesn't rhyme. If it was like, it's a wrap. If she was holding like a burrito and she was like, it's a wrap. That that would that would be better. Emperor Palpatine wanted to be king of summer because Weird Al said king and rule, the ruler of summer. Yeah, the ruler of summer, yeah. Weird Al in the Star Wars universe is so bizarre as weird al as weird al yeah it's not even i I don't even think they gave him like a a strange star wars name just regular weird al yankovic regular weird al is just weird to say here we go again (laughs) yeah he's he's regular al in this universe i guess (laughs) i guess and he's he wrote an original song for this special and i'll watch it I mean, I, I'm one, I'm not one of those people that is very tight up tight up their own rear end about that Star Wars is serious and everything should be taken as canon. We're allowed to have a little fun once in a while, which is what these Lego specials are. They're not supposed to be taken seriously. They're 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 fun, fun nonsense. It's showing that the Star Wars the people that run Star Wars have a sense of humor. All right, so let's let's move on to our main feature, Sneakerella relatively recent film this this movie only came on disney plus about a month ago may yeah, 13th it, yeah it came out in may uh 
this was one that I caught a commercial for on regular TV. I didn't even see the drop on Disney Plus. It just I was watching something on regular TV and it yeah, I think I was watching like ABC or something and I thought what in the world is this? And it caught my attention enough that I went and watched it and I thought this is actually cute enough. Let's let's do it for the podcast. And it actually caught me when I turned it on and I discovered that it's a musical, which yeah. was not apparent from the commercial I watched. I mean, I did hear about this. I saw in, uh, one of the ads for it during those big Disney Plus pushes that they did. And yeah, I didn't know if this was a musical until you told me it was a musical. And you know, the story of Cinderella is is old, older than most of us combined. So sure, it's 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 worth a a a a spot on the show, a reimagining of a classic. It's what Disney does these days, anyway. Um, see, I heard about this movie some point last year because. They had been showing some advertisements for this and like the uh, online for a bit. This was supposed to be released like a ho- in the holiday season of 2021. And then it got pushed to February 2022. Then it got pushed to May of 2022. And then it looked like it was going to get pushed again. And then they just decided to just release it in May. Yeah. And this was produced under the Disney Channel umbrella. I wouldn't be surprised if this was originally supposed to be a Disney Channel movie. Uh, A couple of months ago, they had... uh, Someone from Disney had said that any any movie that would have been released as a Disney Channel original movie was now going to be a Disney Plus original movie instead with a future airing on the Disney Channel at a later date. I believe the first official one of these is going to be Zombies 3, which is going to be uh, next month, July. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be our first Disney Plus original movie. We had done some of the shows. We had done The Mandalorian. We had done Loki. And we had done movies that were supposed to go to theaters and got pushed to Disney Plus like Luca. But this is the first time we're doing something that seemingly was made for Disney Plus exclusively. Yeah. It's an interesting first way to go. I mean, it wouldn't be my first pick to be our first Disney Plus original movie. But since it's recent, I think it's it's still... The buzz, there's still buzz around it that I think it'll be, it'll make for good content, as they say. (laughs) The thing that intrigued me about it, though, was how they switched the story up. Because this is twice now in the past couple of years, Disney has done a live-action version of the Cinderella story. The first one was they just straight-up did a live-action version of their original animated film. 
Yeah, 2015, Cinderella. Yeah, just very much let's do our original classic animated Disney Cinderella, but use real human beings. <laughs> you know? which, which, which is what Disney does today as well. Yeah. This is very much not that. This is let's take the basic framework of the Cinderella story and modernize it. And then the big thing is they've gender swapped the characters. Not the first time we've gotten a male Cinderella. 1960 Cinderella with Jerry Lewis. Well, yeah. It's it's not an entirely new premise, of course. And not the first time we've had a black Cinderella. Obviously, there was Brandy in the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. We've had modern interpretations of Cinderella, like Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff. But taking all of that together and putting that in one movie and making it about something that is close with black culture shoes let's be real you know and specifically sneakers sneakers this, yes this is all about sneaker culture you know so if you're if you're taking the idea of cinderella and the shoe well let's make it modern and make it about a type of modern footwear I've never gotten into sneaker culture. I uh, even back in the '90s when we were in school, you know, everyone wanted the new Jordans. I've never really got into it. I'm just not don't see the the. I never saw the point of paying the ex extraordinary amount for shoes. I was a Payless kid. I was a Payless guy. Rest in peace, Payless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it the overall theme of the movie didn't really appeal to me but as i watched the movie i kind of got it you know it's one of those things that it, it's on paper it doesn't sound like it appeals to me but once you actually see all the pieces in motion you see where they're coming from and you see that there's something good here something but well, we'll get there's something here that's all i can say there's something here the the thing is is that this is less about the collector aspect of sneaker culture and more that our main character l is a designer of he's an artist shoes he is an artist so the idea here is that he wants to be an artist and recently uh amazon did a version of cinderella where their Cinderella was a fashion designer and it's a very similar thing there are characters in the movie who talk about you know the collecting aspect you know you see those people um so it's not that they downplay the collector aspect but L is in it for more the design aspect, the personalization aspect. Which, and the personal connection, because he yeah. works in a family shoe store. Yeah. Um, and what 
people's shoes say about them. And, you know, it, it's it's a very different take on sneaker culture than I've seen before in other things when it's portrayed in media. Um, it's very I, much- I am also not a person who's into that culture, but I thought it was a very interesting uh, viewpoint. I it's don't know ve- if it's an accurate one, but it's I very, thought it was interesting. It's very, uh, to borrow the old saying, clothes make the man. Yeah. K- kind of vibe. It's like, you know, you can tell, you can tell a, a, the way a person is by how they present themselves, how they dress themselves, how they groom themselves in general, uh, hairstyles, makeup, stuff like that. Yeah, and Elle's idea is that you can tell a lot about a person by the way that they keep their shoes you know the type of laces that they put on them how that they keep them clean or you know the wear and tear on them things like that um it's it kind of gets into a weird like Sherlock Holmes kind of thing the way he types. I was expect I mean I was yeah. expecting uh what's the name of that show with the the every time he thinks there's the math equation. Yeah, it 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 does it does kind of you you kind of wanted to get that kind of like you know I'm really glad cuz I almost expected when he started dissecting people uh in there and and t- I'm really glad they didn't go for the like weird like BBC Sherlock editing tricks where you know or the the stuff on Psych or whatever where like yeah. you know it would like zoom in on somebody's shoes show show uh you know text around uh like obviously they live on Seventh Avenue because you know uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they didn't go that far in it, but it it does kind of you know he talks about like you know it, obviously that they cleaned their shoes today because there's still a little bit of moisture you know left around and, and things like that, um, which is kind of interesting and it shows that he pays attention and um, he pays attention to the details. Yeah, uh, and it and it talks about how it goes into his design work and and stuff like that. So it's it's fascinating on how they work shoes into this as more than just the one plot point of oh Cinderella lost a shoe at the ball uh which i found really fascinating in the writing of the film mm-hmm. so um it's more than just a throwaway bit you know mm-hmm. A lot of this cast are. That's, I'm going to be honest. A lot. It was, it, it was hard to find something to talk about most of this cast, because there's a lot of them don't have Wikipedia pages, and amazingly, a lot of them are not even on IMDb. So let's talk about who we can. Um. Yeah. Our main character here is uh played by Chosen Jacobs and. If you know him, you're gonna know him from the recent It movies. Uh, he played Mike Hanlon in there. Um, he was really good in those movies, I'm just gonna say. Uh, I also 
know him from the Castle Rock TV series on Hulu, and he was good in that as well. Uh, so if you're a horror fan, you've already run into him a couple of times. Uh, but this one, I I didn't know he could sing. He's got a really good singing voice. Oh, yeah. And uh, he really surprised me in this. His uh, princess uh, is played by Lexi Underwood. And I got to admit, I did not know her before she has done uh, a few TV series guested on a uh, person of interest and in code black something called henry danger which i never saw um she apparently did a voice in that animated david s pumpkins halloween special huh. so uh i we've apparently heard her voice in that but um a lot of what she's done is uh tv g- guest spots and she is playing Malia Obama in a TV series uh, called The First Lady, hmm. which I'm assuming is going to be about either Michelle Obama entirely or maybe a more than one uh, first lady. I, I don't know. Um, but that's pretty interesting she's got a great voice as well and uh did did really good in this um yeah our uh king in this Darius uh, king darius I, I, king i do like how our our royal family are named king yeah um is played by a uh former nba basketball player turned actor uh john sally Playing a former NBA basketball player turned shoe designer. Yeah. Um, And you might know him from the Bad Boys movies. Uh, He uh, pops in in here to uh, be our kind of patriarch. Um, Not such a bad rapper. Not super amazing, but it works for the movie. He he holds his own in what he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Our wicked stepfather with a twist gets played by Brian Terrell Clark, who I had actually seen before on the Snowpiercer TV series. He's one of the few in this cast that that I had seen uh, previously in something. That was kind of interesting. It was one of those where I was like, hmm. Our wicked stepbrothers... Played by Colton Stewart as Zelly, uh, which is a fascinating name. It's you. It's it's the male version of Drizel. Yeah, um, but uh, Colton Stewart as Zelly, uh, you might know him if you've seen The Expanse or Lock and Key. He's the the more active troublemaker of the two. And uh, Stacy is played by Hayward Leach, who does not even get credited in this. He even gets songs to sing, and he's not credited. That's crazy. This is is kind of one of his 
first big parts. He's got two TV series I've never heard of called Love Life and Tom Swift that are kind of within the past year. It just hit me. Trey. Tremaine. Oh, I didn't know. Oh. Yeah, the stepfather's name is Trey. Yeah. Is we don't actually get a last name for the family, yeah. Oh, so it's Tremaine becomes Trey. Uh, Anastasia becomes Stacy and Gisella becomes Zelly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I just got that. <laughs> we uh get as our best friend here, Sammy. We get Devin Nakota. She's been uh, in the uh, Degrassi The Next Generation and a uh, TV series called Backstage. Uh, Nothing really that I've seen. She also gets the... uh, dubious honor of being our Disney gay for this film. Oh, so that's why this is in the Pride Collection. Yeah, and it's another blink and you'll miss it in true Disney gay fashion. She gets one line about wanting a princess of her own. Although she has many girlfriends, as as Elle says. And it's it's literally one line on a train in passing, and except for the fact that she wears rainbow stuff at a couple of points in the movie, that's your entire hi, I'm your gay character moment. Representation question mark? <laughs> yep, that's, that, there it is. That's, that's your gay best friend for the movie. Yep. Uh, And uh, playing the uh, role of our fairy godfather who may or may not be magical, question mark. Um, We get uh, Juan Chioran. He's another one that when I was kind of looking through his thing, I was like, oh, I have Obviously seen this guy because he's been working long enough that he was on a whole bunch of stuff that I watched back in the 90s. Just by default of he was working in Canada in the 90s. And if you did that when they were filming every weird low budget sci-fi show in the 90s, you just ended up on stuff I watched. (laughs) So he was on shows... For like one episode that I watched, like Sci Factor and Earth Final Conflict, and just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he ended up on an episode of Queer as Folk back in the day, and you know. Um, but he's a character actor that has a very long and impressive uh, list of stuff that. Uh, I don't know, but uh, he was in Paw Patrol, hmm. so good for him. But uh, yeah, he he's he's so fun in this film. I really liked his character, Gustavo. 
he also serves as our narrator for the story. Let's get into the story. It's it's Cinderella. It's the basic story of Cinderella. We don't need to walk you through Cinderella. Yeah, I they think. don't make they don't really make a lot of changes to the framework of Cinderella. It's kid with dead parents raised by step parent with awful step siblings forced to do a lot of menial labor has big dreams, meets someone from a wealthier class, falls in love. There is a lot of Aladdin in this Cinderella movie. Well, I mean, Aladdin was also a Cinderella story at its basic framework. Uh, If you look at, you know, academically speaking, when you break down uh, fairy tales and stuff, uh, the way Disney did Aladdin, um, not necessarily the original story, but the Disney original yeah. story from, you know, the 49, uh, 49th, I mean, uh, 1001 Arabian Nights, <sighs> yeah. Arabian Nights, excuse me. Um, but the way Disney rendered the story of Aladdin is very much a Cinderella story. I see um, it more of the low, ca- the low class boy, the high class girl. And the boy that lies. Well, the problem is, is it's not the boy that lies. The The main conflict is that when the ball, quote unquote, that they go to is that the fairy godfather, Gustavo, who happens to be the nice guy that runs the community garden, in the Queens neighborhood where L lives. We never find out what L is short for. We see, I think that's just his name because we see ki- pictures he drew as a kid saying, My name is L. Yeah, so but E L is, is generally not. I, I mean, I'm not saying that nobody would give their kid the name L, you know? I mean, but, it's, there, it's there because it's short for Cinderella. I, I know, it. but... We get it, but yeah. We we get it, but, you know, it's nobody ever calls him, like, Elijah or Elias or, you know, something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, it's always just L. The thing about the main conflict once we get there is that Kira, our princess for want of a better word, is looking to prove to her father that she can find a designer to give their sneaker company the new hotness. And uh, her father, Darius, the king, wants someone with experience. He even says, you know, he can find the best artist in the world on the street, but he can't risk his business on an unknown. Yeah, and her... Her older sister, Liv, is finding designers who are putting out passable, but according to L, very boring basic shoes. Basic shoes. Yeah, they're they're basic. You know, it, it, we we've seen it before. You know, they're they're serviceable, but yawn. So Kira wants to prove that she can find the hot new designer. And she runs into to Elle uh, at a 
shoe drop. Uh, she disguises herself and waits in line, and that's how she meets Elle. So that's they have their little meet cute and yeah, yeah, they, very much they, Jasmine in Aladdin. But I do like that there are more adaptations of Cinderella. This is not the first one to do it, but I do like in more modern adaptations of Cinderella, the Cinderella in question meets the 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 the, the love interest very early in the story to set up a relationship. So they just don't meet for the first time at the ball. The the ball is is very much a third act thing here. We have our couple meet very early. They but get they like, to yeah. know each other. Mm-hmm. They get to like each other. But it's very much a he doesn't realize who she is or her connection to the company he wants to work for because that's kind of his dream. He wants to design for this particular company because they're the best. He has hidden away from his family in a little cubby hole uh, in his shoe store that was owned by his mom who died tragically of some mysterious illness. He's he's kept his dream a secret because he knows that they're going to make fun of him or you his know his brother whatever. his his stepbrothers make fun of him for being a dreamer. His father, her his stepfather is very much live in the now, don't live in fantasy land, you know. You know, we live in li, live in the real world, you know. We we got to make sure this business is, is is successful. I know you like to draw and you, but that's not going to be your future. You know, you you, you got to help us. You got to help the family. Yeah. So it's not so much he's an evil stepfather. I would say he's more of a pessimistic stepfather, an out of touch stepfather, definitely, but not yeah. evil. It's fascinating the way that they do the stepfather because it's very obvious that the stepfather loved the mom. Oh, yeah. He gets questioned on that, and he says, don't you dare question my love for your mother. Yeah. Unlike the original story where the stepmother was only marrying for the money. Yeah. Um, It's very obvious that there was love there and that he was devastated by her death and that the shoe store was her passion. And for him, it's just a business. He, He doesn't know anything about shoes, whereas she... Loved shoes, she repaired shoes, she had a sewing machine, and she would help people, and she would fix things. And She yeah. also had a connection to the neighborhood. She knew to how to pick the right shoe for the right person, something that she passed on to her son. Unfortunately, the stepfather does not have that connection, as, as Elle has said. You've made no a- attempt to connect to the neighborhood, therefore the neighborhood doesn't know you. So they're not going to trust your judgment on shoes. And since you have not made a connection to the neighborhood, you don't really know what they want. Because this is a neighborhood shoe store. This is not a big chain. It's a neighbor, It's a small shoe store in the middle of Queens that services the neighborhood. To Tracy, this is just a business. He doesn't have the passion for it. Really, they're both only keeping the store open out of respect for the mom. Not much else. Yeah, I mean, L, while he wants to design shoes, he also has a passion for 
the store as well because he respected his mother. And also we see when he takes Kira around the neighborhood that he knows the neighborhood inside and out. He knows every single person in the neighborhood. He knows every business. He knows what they're good at. He knows, you know, he takes her to the Greek restaurant and he knows what to order. He takes her to all these little, you know, food cart stands and he knows what they're there for. He knows every single person on the sidewalk and they know him. And so that's there. We see at one point Trey trying to sell shoes and like the best thing he can do is like, Hey, you know, if you want these shoes, I'll throw in some odor eaters. And the woman looks at Ellen. She's like, did he just tell me I have smelly feet? And he's like, yeah, probably. What, what do you, what do you want? He, he sucks at this. Like, <laughs> He's not a very good businessman. And it shows as the business has been failing since the mother's passing because it's not his passion, which is, you know, understandable but again out of respect and love for the mother they're keeping this business going much to the chagrin of zelly and stacy who hates new york specifically hate queens and wants to go back to jersey no offense to anyone in new jersey i mean there's a whole tv show that's on disney plus right now about a superhero that lives in new jersey yeah but but it is a it is a running joke in the movie of where uh, Sammy keeps talking about like I have never seen two people try to get back to New Jersey so much. A a really interesting uh, bit where Elle brings Kira to Queens and Kira says, you know, I've been to Queens because my dad was originally from Queens, but I've never seen queens like this because Elle is very connected and her father, you know, Darius has kind of forgotten his roots. Elle calls him out saying, you know, you forgot, you forgot what it was to come from Queens. You don't, you're not connected to the people anymore. You've been this rich mogul for so long. You forgot about the common person to which, you know, naturally, Mr. King would find that offensive, but he does understand, but he kind of understands it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but I'm still a businessman and I got to do what's best for my business. The idea of the, the film and the, the conflict, like we were saying, is that the father wants somebody experienced and established. And so... When they go to this, you know, gala, which is our stand-in for the the ball, it's there to announce the new designer that they're going to to work with. And Elle makes these shoes that are reflective of the day he spent in Queens showing Kira around the neighborhood. So the shoes have things like the logo from the Greek restaurant and the um, the mural, a mural that they stopped at and took pictures, you know, selfies at and stuff like that. And and 
uh, part of the city outline and stuff that you can see from from there. They are supposedly very impressive shoes. Um, everyone that, at the, everyone at this gala is astounded by these shoes. Who do you work for? What what company do you work for? I want this kid. This kid designed these shoes. I want him. Who does he work for? You know, Alice is starts out being honest. You know, like, oh, I don't work for anyone. And Sammy is the one that steps up and starts trying to talk him up because she thinks she's helping him. Oh, yeah, like, he just, he just, he's just underground artist. No, he works with all of these people. I'm under NDA. I can't tell you who he's working for, but, you know, he, you know, if you knew they kill me or something. Yeah, and she starts talking him up. So by the time he reconnects with Kira, Kira has heard everybody at the party saying rumors about him because Sammy just, kind of wink and nod and like oh maybe I've signed an NDA or like oh I can't tell you or oh he's freelance or whatever which is not a huge lie the stuff Sammy says is more kind of wink and nod I can't tell you and other people kind of fill in the gaps and then we hear as L walks through the party we hear other people talking about him as he walks through the party and the movie is very good about that mm -hmm. that you hear the rumor growing as he walks around looking for Kira and he doesn't realize people are talking about him because he's very single minded focused on finding her and the idea of a rumor spreading like oh look at that kid with those shoes yeah he's a huge designer well I've heard this and I've heard that and you know it just grows and grows and grows so by the time he meets up with Kira Kira has heard all of these massive rumors about how he is a very experienced designer that has worked with everyone and she believes it because everyone at her gala is talking about this guy. So when she puts it together that he's the one they're talking about, she immediately goes up to her dad and is like, hey, I found you this experienced designer. And he doesn't want to be like, oh, no, your daughter's lying to you right in front of her dad. It's also, like I said, Aladdin very much in that Prince Ali moment where he goes, if she found out I'm just a busboy at a struggling shoe store, she'll reject me. So I have to play up the rumor. I have to play up all of this to, one, impress her and to impress her father. Yeah, because when they had that first meeting, she was just a girl in line to get shoes like he was just a boy in line to get shoes he had no idea that she was one of the richest girls in new york city penthouse you know? apartment in the middle of new york city yeah and now she's the daughter of the guy he's dreamed of working for for you know his whole you know young life or whatever 
this does have one of the most adorable scenes, I will say, when he's at the the gala and they meet up again and they do have the one reused song. Dream is uh, a Wish Your Heart Makes, yeah. Yeah, they, they do a cover version of Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes even with though these this two is singing scene, it. Even though this scene is supposed to have So This Is Love, I understand Disney, you want to... You want to hammer home this thing by using the song from Cinderella. I think it feels out of place. I thought it was beautiful. I absolutely loved the scene because it's just he sees her. And there's this whole little fantasy sequence where the rest of the room disappears. And in his mind, the two of them have this beautiful choreographed dance where they sing this beautiful cover version of Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. And it's a it's it's just gorgeous the, the version I do. they I mean, do. Again, tropey, but I do like the fact that in his mind, she is literally the only other girl in that room. Yeah, and they do this absolutely wonderful dance. And then he snaps back to reality. Yeah, but by the time he finds her and they talk and she realizes like, oh, you know, you're the guy. I'm going to get you a job working for my dad and everything. And then he realizes like, wait, your dad's going to give a speech at the stroke of midnight, but I have to be gone at the stroke of midnight because, of course, that's, that's still a thing. That's a story. Yeah. So we get Gustavo. Let's let's talk. Let's backtrack a bit to Gustavo because. Again, he's introduced very early in the story because he is the neighbor who may or may not have magical powers. He first displays said magical powers by aiming his hose at, to the streetlight to automatically make it change green so they can cross, so they can get to the, the train, so they can get to the, the shoe store for the, the opening and whatnot. So, and then he also goes, you know, be back by midnight, you know, he... He always is in the right place at the right time, you know. But, uh, you know, midnight because Cinderella. And then, yes, at, you know, as you were saying. And he, uh, he ends up running down the up escalator and it ends up tearing some of his clothes and his shoe comes off. And that's very how... reminiscent. Yeah, very reminiscent to the animated version. It's less that the, that like, you know, the magic disintegrates and more that just unfortunate things happen because they didn't leave at midnight. Like the car gets towed because they were parked in the wrong spot. And a car runs through a puddle and splashes them. Yeah. So their clothes get ruined. So they can't keep the clothes because, you know, they're probably dry clean only. And now they've got, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's that sort of thing. It's like, well, you know, you weren't home at the right time, so now you've missed your b bus connection and, you know, like all that yeah. kind of stuff. She doesn't know Elle's name and they never exchange social media stuff. Like, it, it's a point in the movie that they never exchange social media stuff. Very early in the movie, uh, Trey takes away Elle's cell phone. Yeah. Because he's too busy daydreaming and not enough time working in the store. So after the party, all Kira has is the shoe. And we do the modern version of, instead of going door to door to find people, we'll use social media. 
since she has thousands of pounds, you know, millions of followers on her Instagram, she instantly puts a picture of a shoe on Instagram saying, this guy was at the gala. Who, who is he? Who are you? We want, you know, we want to talk. Yeah. Find my prince. During this, the brothers see the social media and they realize through shenanigans and accidentally finding his little cubby hole, which has the other shoe in it. Like along with, uh, along with his other designs. Yeah. Along with the other designs. They're like, Oh, it it's him. And we need to ruin his life because the other thing is, is that while all this is happening, uh, it's been announced that, Trey has decided he's going to sell the store to like Foot Locker. Foot Locker, yeah. And uh, they're all moving to Jersey. And the brothers have decided nothing is going to stop our move to Jersey. And our stepbrother becoming a shoe designer for the biggest shoe company in the world is probably going to scuttle that because we might get stuck here and we don't want that. Um, and we have to teach little brother his place in the world. Yeah, we we have to we have to remind him of his place, which is he's a stock boy. At this point, Kira is like directly messaging Sammy, because apparently Al doesn't have social media, and they and they end up talking on Sammy's phone again because L's phone got taken away, and they set up a meeting with her father. Come in, bring the shoe. And we'll discuss a possible future with you at the company. And like I said, little brother needs to learn his place in the world. So they lock him in the stores. They lock him in the stores room. They take the shoe and they go to the meeting and they, they spill all the tea about their little brother or their little stepbrother. So eventually, uh, eventually Al makes it to the meeting late with all his designs, and hey, if you like this, you're going to love this design, this design, this design. Seeing his brothers, his stepbrothers, coming out of the meeting, oh crap, what happened? Cat's out of the bag, they know everything about you. You know, they think, oh, you made up all of these stories because you want a job. You don't, you know, are you even a designer? Did you even design this shoe? You know, you, you, you've coerced my daughter for the purposes of gaining me because that's what you want. Older brothers ruining little brother's dreams because they want to go back to Jersey. And that's the goal. That's all they want is to go back to Jersey. Like we said before, Elle is kind of proven right. Because when it comes out that he is just a poor boy from Queens, he is rejected. Not only is he rejected by his mentor, his idol, Darius King, the king of sneakers. He is rejected by the girl he likes, Kira. Sometimes the thing is, though, is that, you know, I'm I'm not saying that being dishonest necessarily is a correct thing to do. But at the same time, if you want people to be honest with you, you have to make it safe for people to be honest with you. Because she was very clear to him that like her 
affection for him seemed entirely dependent on him having those qualifications. That her mother calls her out on. Which I love. The mom in this is great. We haven't really talked about the mom. But the the mom is great, you know, because... It, it's clear that she's, like, she's the businesswoman of this team. Because she's the one that, that says, hey, if Kira knows someone who's a good designer, we should give him a shot. Yeah, the mom is kind of the one that, that shows up and sort of fixes everything. Uh, Kira, Kira's mom is kind of like, hello, my husband. You're being rather douchey. Maybe you should stop that. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> um, she even straight up says to, to, to Kira, you know, your father wouldn't be the mogul he, who he is without me. And, you know, this kid said, tried to impress you. And when you found out who he was, you, you, you shoved him to the side. Yeah. So, he, yeah she, he, she can't, up, he can't help where he was born. So maybe get off your high horse, princess, and maybe recognize the talent and the fact that he's trying. Because she seems to not have forgotten where she came from. Yeah, the mom is the most down-to-earth one. Like, everybody else has had their head turned by the money and the success, and the mom's like, y'all realize that we, you know... We're lucky we, to be we, where we're at. We were, we were poor and living in Queens and went to that same Greek restaurant, right? Like, just because you were good at playing basketball and we made good, that that don't make us better, right? Okay. Can we, we put her that. on the list of, like, really good Disney moms? Yeah, she is, she is an excellent, excellent character. Like, she needed more time in this movie because she is the only one that just kind of wanders in and was like, y'all need Jesus. Just saying. <laughs> I mean... And the mom is, the mom is trying yeah. to remind them, like, okay, look, it's kind of our fault because y'all were raised with money. So I gotta I gotta remind you what the real world is like occasionally. But it's it's the more optimistic version of what Trey is saying. Cause Trey is trying to tell L keep your head out of the clouds and stay in the real world, but he does it in a very pessimistic kind of way. Yeah, wow. you will never have anything. So don't try. Yeah. The mom is like, look, your parents worked real hard to get you stuff, but you got to remember not everybody is as fortunate as you, so maybe don't be snooty. So Gustavo, our fairy godfather, sees that, you know, El does not deserve to have his dream shattered because of one mistake and uses his magic powers to make the shoes. This is the only part of the story that I did not like. I would have preferred if maybe the dad had, you know, because we see L throwing all of his designs in the garbage because he's giving up his dreams. He's 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 uh, relented that he will only be a nobody. This is his place in the world. That's who he is. I would have liked it if we had, and it would have added to the redemption of the stepfather Trey if he had seen those designs in the trash, looked at them, and say, hey, this, these aren't too bad. These are really good, and made the shoes. They may not have been perfect, 
or had been like, you know, look, I'm, or like found him cleaning up the stock room and, and been like, you know what, I'll finish cleaning up the stock room. You got some sewing to do. Yeah. It would have added to the redemption and it would have made the you know, like a, a montage more... of Trey bringing him coffee and helping him stay awake or, you know, mm-hmm. while while he finishes making the shoes that that would have been better. But it it would have taken away from the original from the final reveal of of Trey, maybe that we get at the end. Uh, I, I don't know which I like better. So, SneakerCon, the big sneaker convention where Darius King is supposed to announce his new designer. By the way, SneakerCon is not what you're thinking. SneakerCon is literally just this family sets up in a in the storefront of their business a, in it, Times Square, and it's everybody a Nike else. Store. Yeah, it, it's it's just the store in Times Square. And everybody else stands at the window on the sidewalk and stares at them. We're not getting people cosplaying as shoes at this convention. Yeah, it's not even like you would expect it to. At least, it, I expect SneakerCon to be like a big dealer's room at the same place they hold like New York Comic Con. Yeah. But it's just a big dealer room and then they have like one showroom where it's like, do you want to see the new Nikes? Yeah. Here's the new Nikes. Yeah. That was the new Nikes. Yeah. Go buy shoes. Yeah. I guess it's just, you know, this was filmed during covid and i guess that was the best they could do was like a couple actors inside a store and a bunch of people outside staring through the windows of the probably (laughs) i don't know i'm just chalking that one down to covid the fact that it looks really weird but um l makes it to the the front of the store and waves to kira and hands her shoes that were magically made and so are in her size and they were designed specific specifically for her and they have little k's on them yeah he he specifically says he designed it to fit her personality yeah and she's like oh and the mom is like uh, or uh, the sister this time because the sister's now on board the sister's like girl he showed up this entire way to bring shoes he designed specifically for you. Please go get your man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are making a mockery of our entire family, which is shoe-based. We are a shoe-based family, and the boy just showed up with shoes he designed for you. Please, if you do not go hook up with this boy, I am disowning you. <laughs> so Kira's like, yeah, and they are pretty cute shoes, so, all right. <laughs> and she's like uh dad i want you to meet this boy uh you kind of need to battle wrap him so that we can like settle this this and see if i got a new boyfriend or what so yeah he straight up you know l straight up you know like we said before tell tells darius you forgot where you came from i may be nobody but 
I'm, I'm, I'm connected to the streets. I know what the streets like, and I know what the community likes, and this is, you know, here they are, you know, this is, you know, my designs, and yeah, my Marriott. designs are personal. Like, I'm not, I may not have experience, but I've got heart and soul, and I'm real, and this is my realness in my shoes. And also, I'm mad in love with your daughter. And Darius straight up says, you know, you may have the talent, but you don't got the experience. I can't risk my company on a nobody, you know, on an unknown. But also, like, where the hell is the boy going to get experience if you don't give him a chance? You like, know, you don't have to make him your lead designer, but... You just give the kid an internship. Or, like, uh, let him work as the assistant to one of your designers or something. Like... It's like the it's like what we have in the real world right now. You know, entry-level job must have 12 years experience. Yeah, I mean... It's it's okay to have entry level jobs. Like I would have been fine if he'd been like, you know what, you need experience. So here's a job where you can get experience. That would have been an excellent ending to this movie. I mean, the movie still ends with him getting the job. It's fine. But the movie did not necessarily need to end with him being like, and now the lead designer for whatever. It's okay to tell people that you got to go out and pay your dues. I'm cool with that. But the problem with telling people go out and pay your dues is you got to have some way for people to do that. He uh, and that's kind of what L wants to say. He just wants a chance. He just wants a shot. Don't make, you know, you know, like you, I I believe the shoes can make you fly. And that seems to hit him in because we that's something that he says earlier in the movie that he believes that the right shoes can make you fly. And yeah, and uh, that's you know, part of the dream sequence at the beginning where he's like walking upside buildings and levitating on air. air yeah. And, yeah. And to say that to a guy whose whole thing is basketball, and you know, we all remember the slogan, it's gotta be the shoes. Yeah, so I mean, you know. and that's like, you know, Nike Air and Air Jordans and all that kind of stuff. You wear the shoes, you can jump higher. Yeah. So, and while they they didn't spring for those endorsement deals, that's what he's referencing. You know, basketball player with popular shoes. Yeah, this, this is essentially Jordan. Yeah, they just d didn't get Jordan because that's a HBO thing, I think. <laughs> Jordan's a terrible actor. I'm going to be well that yeah. too but <laughs> then we that... get Trey showing up and and Trey admits like hey I kind of didn't sign up for this like I, you know I I loved the mom and the kids didn't get along and I'm kind of sorry for that maybe I hadn't been the best dad but I want to be a better dad it's not too late and, for a second chance. That seems to be the the crux of that little end of the song there. It's like all he, he's he wants to be a better father, which yeah. is a much better resolution than the original story and the and the and the stepmother. And it's a nice redemption for the stepfather because like I said, he's not an evil stepfather. He's a pessimistic stepfather, he's an out of touch stepfather, but he's not evil. And he's also a 
grieving stepfather. Yeah. It's very obvious that he's got his own issues and that it has made him an inattentive father. I want to say that I'm glad that this movie sidesteps the demonization of black fathers. That so often in media and in real life, you know, we have either the absent black father or the, you know, just the bad black father. And step parents in general. And, I mean, because and well, and step parents in general as well. Cinderella, the original story, didn't exactly shine step parents in the brightest light. Yeah. But that we have examples of two black fathers in this that while they may make mistakes during the course of the story are never shown to be absent or unloving they may falter or they may be inattentive or they may misunderstand their children at points but I think that that's common with all parents in general. I mean, I think that's just a common complaint between kids and parents from any background of any generation. Um, and so that's a fine dynamic to portray. But by the end of the story, you know, they're still there and they're still trying with their kids. And that's a dynamic that has been missed very often in media, unfortunately. Um, and especially with a stepfather. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that Trey, by the end of it, is just like, hey, man, give me another chance. I saw your designs. I may not get it. Fully, but I do support you and he even stands up to him with you know to to Darius on behalf of El and is like you should probably give the kid a chance you know I have dismissed his dreams but I think if you give him a shot he he's got a a chance here um and Darius is like, well, you got anything more to say before I make you my lead designer? And Elle's like, yeah, I'm very in love with your daughter. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we fast forward one year later. The store is now under Elle's personal ownership. And it's got his designs under the King brand. Yep. That are being sold in the store and uh we see that there are lots of people standing there waiting for the new drop of his new design there's a young boy who is completely shocked that l is actually at the store as he's buying the shoes yeah and he puts on the shoes and goes outside and starts to float in the air and does a little dance and so does everybody else 
as they dance in the street and talk about achieving your dreams and living the life and, you know, all the other good, positive messages and what have you. Happily ever after the end. Yeah. So since since I am the one who who pitched the film to you, I'm I'm going to let you answer the question first. Do you think that Sneakerella has the magic? It took me a while. The first, I would say the first half hour didn't thrill me. It was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it, it didn't really grab me. What really gra- started to grab me in this movie was when we started reminiscing about the mother and how much the shoes connect to, to L, how much the store connects to L and, how much that all of this really is coming from a a boy who wants to continue the dream of his mother while also wanting to express himself artistically. I think the movie's a bit long because this is a two hour movie and I don't think it needed to be two hours long, but it took a bit for it to, to catch me. But once it did catch me, I'm not going to say I love this movie. I, I think the movie is fine. It's okay. I, I At most, I'll like this movie. There is some magic here. I think it's a bit long for my taste. It really takes too long to really get going to or catch someone. And I think by that point, some people would have tuned out. There's something here. There's some magic here. It could have been tightened up a bit. But I'm going to say since we don't do mid most here, I'm going to say yes, but it's not going to be on my top 10 list anytime soon. That's fair. I will say that I found this to be a very strange surprise. So I'm going to say that there's magic because I was really shocked by what this was. This was, I agree with you that it needed more polish. And I think that a lot of what was missing was probably due to COVID. And I agree with you that it was probably a little too long in parts. Maybe needed some editing. The thing is, though, is that I thought that that the the songs were really cute. Um, the actors were all really good. The two leads I thought were really amazing together. That main L Kira relationship mm-hmm. I thought worked really really well, and the voices on both of them were awesome. I loved the family dynamic in the King family, mm. especially the mom. I would, I would watch an entire movie of that mom just being like, now let me sit you down <laughs> and tell you where you're wrong. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really adorable. I would watch a sequel to this. I don't know exactly what they would do with it. But I liked the characters enough that I would, you know? Yeah. I I would watch 
that dynamic again. I I don't know. I just it surprised me. I think more than anything and um I thought it was a kind of unique spin on the story. Mm. So yeah. All right. Uh so yeah, let's let's move on to next week. Next week, uh there's a new Marvel movie because there's always a new Marvel movie. Thor Love and Thunder finally coming out. In honor of that, we are taking a look at the last Taika Waititi Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. Yeah, it's go- we're going to Ragnarok and roll next week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry for that one. <laughs> You should be. <laughs> so come back for Thor Ragnarok next week, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye! Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic, Twitter at Rewatch the Magic, and of course, new episodes every week at RewatchingTheMagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.